With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Seven. Herb Street is on the phone. 72. We're the podcast. It is Swimming America. We are the sports podcast. It is Wednesday, September 27, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I hope everybody is ready for what should be a jam-packed midweek episode of the Aaron Torres Pod. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We're going to open. Yes, we're going to open with Dion, but not in the way you think. Because earlier this week, we had one of the wildest sports media takes about Dion Sanders and Colorado football. And I bring it up because something struck me. Everybody keeps telling me, oh, I can't stand Dion. Can you not stand Dion? Or can you not stand the absurd, over-the-top coverage of him? We will discuss that. From there, we'll take a quick break. And I want to discuss something else that's very interesting. As college football TV ratings continue to go through the roof this past weekend being one of the most watched weekends ever for a non-rivalry weekend. I have a couple theories on why college football ratings are through the roof and why it's only going to get better from here. And speaking of which, as we start to look ahead to week five of the college football season, I'm calling this separation Saturday. Show me something Saturday in the SEC. We're not going to dive in, do deep previews on these games. But I think there's five or six teams, Kentucky, Florida, AM, Arkansas, Tennessee, maybe even one or two others. They got to show us something because I don't think we really know who these teams are through four weeks. So we are going to have a jam-packed show today. It's going to be so much fun. But before we get to the show, I do have one major announcement. That is this. Citizens of Kentucky. Later this week, sports betting, legal sports betting comes to the state of Kentucky And I got some big news for you. We have partnered with DraftKings Sportsbook and the DraftKings Sportsbook app for the launch in Kentucky this week. So Kentucky fans, here's the bottom line. You know that Torres has been with you through the thick and thin. The good and the bad. Football. Basketball. uh, John Calipari. We've been through it all. Well, here is my request for you. If you plan on making your first sports bet this week, in the state of Kentucky, and you are a first-time user of DraftKings Sportsbook, I need you to do me a favor. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code TORRES when you make your first bet. Why is that? It is because DraftKings is doing something incredible for listeners of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. How about this? Bet $5 on any game 
get up to or get $200 in bonus bets courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook. Here's the deal. All you got to do, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, enter the code TORRES when you make your first bet. Bet $5 on anything, pro football, college football, whatever you want, and you automatically get $200 in bonus bets courtesy of DraftKings. That's as a thank you to listeners of this show. So if you've supported this show, if this show has had your back, if this show has had calm, rational Kentucky takes when everybody else in the media is going crazy, do me a favor, support me, support Torres, DraftKings Sportsbook, use the promo code Torres, bet $5 on any game, get up to get $200 in bonus bets. With that said, let's not waste any more time and let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, as I just said, yes, we are going to do another segment on Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, and the Colorado Buffaloes. And I know what some of you are thinking when I say that I'm leading the show with Coach Prime today. You keep telling me, Torres, enough with the Coach Prime. We can't do it anymore. All you talk about, all everybody in the media talks about is Coach Prime. And so it's very interesting to me. First of all, I talk about it because it's what people want. We have discussed it on this show. We have discussed it time and time and time again, is that this guy has brought millions of new people to college football, people that otherwise wouldn't watch college football, people that are fans of Deion Sanders, people that are fans of the Dallas Cowboys, people that are fans of the San Francisco 49ers, people that are fans of Coach Prime, the player, or Coach Prime, the coach, whether it was at the high school level, Jackson State, whatever. Coach Prime has brought millions of new people to this sport. And so I bring it up because there are certain people that certainly enjoy Coach Prime, like myself. I'm appreciative for what he's done for my career because it's certainly helping having him in this sport. But I also get a lot of you telling me, Torres, it's too much. Colorado is overrated. Coach Prime is overrated. The media coverage is ridiculous. And I really want to hit on that last point in this segment. This isn't a Colorado segment. This isn't a Colorado USC preview segment. What it is, is this. Over the last couple of weeks, I've heard a lot of people say, I'm tired of Coach Prime. I'm tired of Colorado. I'm tired of everything. But here's my question for you. It really struck me this week. Is this, are you tired of Coach Prime? Are you tired of Colorado? Or are you tired of the insane media coverage and the wild sports talk takes that come with it because I was thinking about it this week and I stand by it. I think if you think about Deion Sanders, you think about coach prime over the last month, I don't think he said anything all that controversial. I don't think he has given you one single reason to dislike him, but the media who cover him, the media that go over the top, the media that feels the need to pile on top of each other and everybody's got to have the hotter sports take. That's who you're actually mad with. Now, hopefully that's not me. I think I've been fair and balanced in my coverage, but I do want to discuss it now. And the reason we're discussing it today is because I will bluntly say this. Okay, I try not to criticize other people in the sports media, right? Everybody has their opinions. Everybody's entitled to this. Everybody's entitled to that. But earlier this week, we had one of the most absolutely absurd sports talk opinions that I have ever seen. And it came from Keyshawn Johnson on the show Undisputed. And to be clear, I actually like Undisputed. I'm usually working out in the morning when it comes on about 6.30, 7 o'clock Pacific time. I'm getting my sweat on, and I actually enjoy it. 
I think Keyshawn Johnson is one of the most entertaining people in my business. I think Michael Irvin might be the most entertaining person in our business in sports media. And so I actually do enjoy it. But Keyshawn Johnson said something that was just so absurd the other day that it's worth discussing the take itself. Here is what Keyshawn Johnson said about Colorado losing to Oregon and an insinuation that he made. Keyshawn Johnson said, I spoke to somebody in the coaching fraternity right after the game, and they know some people that coach at Oregon. They said, man, I've never heard from another assistant coach of how much information was being given to that staff about, I'm being real with it, about game planning against Colorado so they can beat them. Now, I'll be blunt. Like I said, I was working out when this quote was dropped, and I didn't really understand what Keyshawn Johnson was saying. And it wasn't until three, four hours later when the clip made the rounds on social media that it became clear what he was insinuating. What he was insinuating was that college football coaches are now going out of their way to reach out to other schools that are playing Colorado to help them game plan to beat Colorado. I'm here to say this. I like Keyshawn Johnson. I think he's really talented. I think he's really entertaining. But this is one of the most absurd sports talk takes I've ever heard. And it speaks again to the absurd sports talk takes that are coming out about this Colorado team. First off, this take is just absurd. A few reasons why. One, first of all, coaches speak to coaches on other coaching staffs about common opponents all the time. So do I think it's inconceivable that Oregon spoke with somebody that uh, at Nebraska or at Colorado State or maybe that played against Coach Prime when he was at Jackson State or played against Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator, when he was the head coach at Kent State? Do I believe that happened? Yes, I believe it happened because it happens at every school everywhere in America. That isn't just my opinion. It's a fact. Deion Sanders, in his media availability on Tuesday, explicitly said that. He was asked about this situation. He said, yeah, it happens all the time. We reach out to other coaching staffs about our opponents all the time, too. So I believe that, yes, Oregon probably talked to somebody not involved in their staff about something related to Colorado. A, a team that's played him, a team that's played Coach Prime previously, a team that's defended Shador Sanders, whatever. I believe that happened because it happens on every staff every week. At the same time, the insinuation from Keyshawn Johnson is much deeper. What he's basically insinuating is that other coaching staffs are reaching out to Colorado to help them game plan against them. And I'm sorry, outside of an assistant at Nebraska or whatever, as I just said, that is not happening. And you know why I know that's not happening? Because we're all football fans in some way, shape, or form, right? And we all know how football coaches act. College football coaches are lunatics, but they also really only care about what's going on inside the four walls of their program. We know how college football coaches are. We know they're worried about the guys in their facility, the guys in their locker room, and the upcoming opponent. I mean, it isn't hyperbole like like when when a Nick Saban or a Kirby Smart or uh, whoever, I'm just trying to think of a coach off the top of my head, Lincoln Riley, Jim Harbaugh, James Franklin, whoever, when they're asked about something going on in the world of college football, they don't generally have an answer because they don't generally pay attention. Like James Franklin is a great coach, Penn State's top 10 team. If you asked him about Washington today, I don't think he has that many strong opinions about Washington or Texas or Oklahoma. I think he's focused on James Franklin, Penn State, 
Penn State's players, Penn State's recruiting class, and Penn State's upcoming opponent. I don't even think he's worried about a Michigan or an Ohio State. I think when it's time to prep for Michigan, when it's Michigan week, they'll prep for Michigan. And so the idea that there's all these coaches out there that are that are going out of their way to help other coaches to see Colorado fail, I just don't buy it. I don't buy that Iowa State's coaching staff really cares all that much about what's going on at Colorado or that Texas Tech's coaching staff or that Florida Atlantic's coaching staff. They got their own players, their own team, their own everything to worry about. Lastly, this is why it's so absurd. You don't need other coaches to help you game plan against Colorado. We talked about it on the preview show last week. We talked about it on our Monday show. The bottom line is pretty straightforward with Colorado. Outside of Shador Sanders and a very talented skill position group, there are a lot of holes on this roster. And I talked about it on Monday's show following the loss. Here are some stats about Colorado football coming into Saturday's pre- last Saturday's game against Oregon, okay? Colorado coming into last Saturday. There are 133 teams in FBS football. Colorado ranked 125th nationally in total defense. They ranked 129th nationally in rushing. They ranked 130th in sacks allowed. So did Oregon, who has multiple top 10 recruiting classes in that building, a great transfer portal class, a top 10 team legitimately. Did they need to reach out to other staffs to put together a brilliant? Do they need a meeting of the minds? Do they need to get 50 different perspectives on how to beat Colorado? It seems pretty straightforward. The O-line can't block. They certainly can't pass block because Shador Sanders is getting killed back there. They can't defend for much of anything. Now you're without Travis Hunter. I'm sorry. The game plan was pretty straightforward. Make Shador Sanders uncomfortable because he's the only guy that can beat you, which is exactly what Oregon said. Did. And so this is all a long-winded way of me saying, I don't buy Keyshawn Johnson's comments, but beyond that, this speaks to what I am saying. Are you, if you don't like Coach Prime, and again, I do, I've been supportive of pretty much everything he's done, but if you don't like him, do you really not like him or do you not like the crazy, absurd media coverage that comes with it? Because here's the bottom line, okay? I was thinking about this. So let's just use, you know, August 25th, to August 27th, a month ago today, as kind of the 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 the, the moment in it, draw the line sand, right? Draw the line in the sand. Over the last month, since Colorado's first game, go ahead and tell me the most controversial thing that Coach Prime has said. Because I'll be honest, I thought about it. I don't think he has said a single controversial thing since this whole thing started. Now listen, when uh, you know, reporters called his t- his son out specifically. Yeah, he chirped back at por- reporters a little bit and said, yeah, I got receipts. I got receipts about what you said. But again, he's defending his team. More specifically, he's defending his son, a future first round pick that people said shouldn't be guaranteed the starting spot. That's not that's not calling someone out. That's not being disrespectful. That's defending your team and defending your locker room. And by the way, this isn't like Ryan Day. Ryan Day's talking about it, talking about an 86-year-old man that has nothing to do with Notre Dame football other than being a coach a million years ago. Dion is protecting from the people that cover him, from the people who are saying stuff. And then, oh, by the way, Jay Norvell. Jay Norvell came after Dion, and Dion defended himself. He's allowed to defend himself against the coach he's going up against on Saturday, who is calling out him and his the way he was raised, all that good stuff. But other than that, other than defending himself and his program. What has Coach Prime said that has you so fired up? Because every time I hear him in front of a podium, 
He's talking about how great Oregon's players are, how great Nebraska's players are, how well-coached this team is, how well-coached that team is. I haven't heard him say anything that I would call controversial at all. And so the the thought that I keep having, I don't believe that you're mad at Deion Sanders. I believe that you're mad at the absurd media coverage that we are starting to get with Coach Prime. And it goes back to something, you know, that, that we just talked about, but also just the reality of the situation. When you bring in millions of people that either aren't traditional fans of college football or more importantly, are media that don't cover college football, you're going to get this. OK, and listen. I have no problem with the fans. Again, I appreciate the millions of people who have come to college football because of Coach Prime. I am grateful for them. I'm grateful that they found me. And there's probably millions more that haven't even found me yet, okay? But it's the media that I think is bothering people. Skip Bayless, I don't know him. I actually know enough people that work for him. They all like him. They say he's a nice guy behind the scenes. But we know what his entire shtick is. It's pick a side and defend it to the death. He's been doing it for 20 years with MJ and LeBron. I'm surprised he hasn't said that Coach Prime's a better basketball player than LeBron. Like, like, it's who he is. And so you have people like him. You have people. The other thing, too, that I've noticed as well, nobody wants to fairly and accurately analyze Coach Prime in Colorado. I think I've been fair. I mean, I can't say nobody has. I said I thought that they were going to lose last week. I said I thought it might not be very competitive. But I've also been fair and said, look, their over-under win total was three and a half. They've exceeded expectations. And as Dion said, after the Oregon game, this is the worst team that he will ever have. And so I think I've been fair. I never said they were going to win a national championship. I never said they were going to win nine games. I've been consistent since the Nebraska game saying, get to six wins, get to a bowl game, get 20 extra practices or whatever it is, and then bust your butt in recruiting, which I know is going to happen. But it feels like everybody else is like afraid to say anything critical. I mean, again, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I like Undisputed. I watched it on Friday before the Oregon game. And Keyshawn, again, who's great at what he does. He did a five, six, seven minute rant on all of the problems that Colorado was going to have at Oregon. All the same things that I just discussed. Pass blocking, run blocking, defense. And then he goes, but you know, I'm still picking Colorado, right? And it's like, no, it's okay to criticize. It's okay to pick against Colorado. I know that all these guys have personal relationships with Coach Prime, but guess what? I don't think you're doing Coach Prime any favors by by hyping him up. Again, Coach Prime, I think he was the most respectful person of Oregon imaginable. I watched all his press conferences. I watched all the well-off media stuff that his son produces for well-off media. That's the in-house marketing team. And all you heard from Coach Prime all week was, that's a great team. We're not ready. We're not focused. I think Coach Prime would like it if more people kind of, I wouldn't say doubted him, but, you know, picked against them because everybody in that locker room is probably starting to believe the hype, watch the TV shows, watch the podcast, watch the YouTubes, whatever. And so I bring it up because I, I just I thought it was really interesting and I thought it was something people aren't talking about enough. Are you really mad at Colorado? Are you really mad at Coach Prime or are you mad at the media that's covering them? I think it's much more the latter. I love this story, um, but I also understand the frustration of people that love college football. Like, wait a second now. We can have an honest conversation that he's a great coach, that they're a well-coached team, and they still have a lot of steps to go. That's okay. It's a process. It is not the end of the world that they lost one game. But we have to have more transparent conversations about Coach Prime. Uh, And I think a lot of the media refuses to do that. All right, this is what I want to do. I do want to take a quick break. I do want to come back. And when I come back, 
Uh, I do want to switch gears because thanks in part to Coach Prime, we have ourselves a record boom in college football TV ratings, okay? And so I saw some numbers that were insane. And I think there's about four or five reasons why that's the case. Going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to discuss why our college football ratings so through the roof. I think we all know the answer. Quick break. Be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears and uh, I want to talk about something interesting that kind of came across my desk uh, here on Tuesday night into Wednesday. So for whatever reason, and I think we probably know why, but on Tuesday afternoons, it feels like every single week, that is when we get the college football TV ratings from the previous weekend. Uh, We've talked about some of the previous ratings, the fact that there's just an insane number of people that were watching that Colorado, Colorado State game at at 2 15 Eastern time two Saturdays ago. But why I bring it up is because we actually got some very, very, very interesting data from this past weekend about college football. And I don't, I'm not a huge, like we have to talk about the ratings guy. Like I think some people in the media get more obsessed with it. And I think you guys and girls as fans uh, don't really care nearly as much, but at the same time, the ratings are up in such a manner that is just shocking that I do think it is worth at least discussing why college football ratings are through the roof this year. And when I give you some of these stats, you'll be blown away. But in my opinion, there's three, four reasons why college football ratings are up. So let me tell you what we learned on Tuesday about this year's college football ratings. And let's contextualize why we are seeing just a a ratings bonanza when it comes to college football. So a couple tweets caught my attention on, uh, I guess it would have been uh, Tuesday morning again couple of them uh, I'm going to read to you right now. The first one came from a guy named Michael Mulvihill. Michael Mulvihill is kind of the ratings guru, ratings czar for Fox Sports. Um, you know, he handles all of this stuff and, and, and kind of contextualizes how big these TV ratings are. So he sent out two separate tweets that I thought were worth that were very interesting. He said total viewing of college football is up 
14% across all networks through week four. He then added, "Real, really a shame that NIL, the transfer portal, and realignment are killing interest in college football. I don't know that we needed to stray there for realignment, but it is interesting. He says ratings are up 14% across college football. He then shared another tweet later on on Tuesday. He said, over 20 million people across all networks were watching college football in primetime on Saturday with Ohio State Notre Dame obviously leading the way. A rare instance of more people watching college football on a Saturday night than a Sunday night. Obviously, that's a little bit of of apples and oranges. NFL has one game on, on Sunday nights. College football has Four five this past weekend, we had four different networks, CBS, NBC, Fox, and ABC, all broadcasting games in primetime. But also keep in mind that there's more people out of the house, whatever. It's kind of an impressive thing. But this, to me, was the most impressive and interesting stat that came out of the TV ratings bonanza that is college football in 2023. According to someone at ESPN, they said this, excluding rivalry week, Saturday was the most watched regular season college football Saturday ever with nearly 12 billion total minutes consumed across all rated networks. So that last one to me is the most interesting, right? Because rivalry week, that's the weekend we get Michigan, Ohio State, Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, Clemson, whatever. And what we learned was that outside of rivalry week, when we get some of the biggest matchups in college football, again, USC, Notre Dame is is generally that weekend, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida, Florida State. This was the most watched college football weekend ever. And so the question becomes why? And bluntly, I think there are four specific reasons why. The first one, we got to go back to the first segment and listen. I know you don't want me to say it. But part of it is the Dion effect. And we just talked Dion. We talked Dion basically every show. I'm not going to spend too much time discussing it. But we cannot deny the impact that he has had on college football. And more specifically, the impact that he has had uh, in time slots that don't traditionally bring huge, huge, huge TV ratings. We talked about it a few weeks ago following the Nebraska game. So the Nebraska game drew 8.73 million people in the noon Eastern window two weeks ago in week two uh, for Fox. That is an insane number for noon Eastern. Now, granted, it's not the biggest of all time because Michigan, Ohio State gets played in that window, but it was, as I told you at the time, the biggest, the highest rated Pac-12 game that Fox has ever broadcast. It was also the single highest, or no, 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 excuse me, the 10th highest rated game that college football, a college football game that Fox has ever broadcast, which is incredible when you consider that they broadcast Michigan, Ohio State, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Penn State, like these mega, mega, mega brand games. They've also had the Red River shootout, Texas, Oklahoma, the last couple of years. So it speaks to the prime effect. What also speaks to the prime effect, as I said last week, The Colorado-Colorado State game was bananas. And the number that still stands out to me, I could not believe this, over 8 million people were watching Colorado-Colorado State at 2.15 a.m. Eastern when that game went to overtime. That is an insane number. You know, that game at 2.15 Eastern, just for context, it outrated every NBA game that wasn't in the finals. 2.15 for a Colorado-Colorado State game, 2.15 a.m. Eastern. Insanity. So one, it is the Dion effect. You can like them, you cannot like them, but people are tuning in. Two, and this is where I think it starts to get interesting. 
You know what I think is helping college football more than anything this year? There is real parody in the sport and not fake parody where it's like, oh, maybe this team can beat Bama. It's like, no, Bama's got some real concerns. Ohio State's got some real concerns. Clemson's got some real concerns and other teams are stepping up into the void. First off, if I asked, I think, 10 different people who the best team in college football is, I don't know if I'd get 10 different answers, but I bet I'd get five or six. I'd have some that say Georgia. I'd have some that say Michigan. But remember, Washington got a first place vote in the AP poll this week. Florida State probably has the best resume in college football right now with a neutral site win over LSU and a win at Clemson. You could make the argument, I think I might, that if I had a vote, I probably would vote Florida State number one right now. Are they the best team? I don't know. I will say when they were healthy, they might be the best team that I've seen. Um, uh, what what else? What else am I missing here? If I I think you could argue Florida State, Texas. I think you could argue is the number one team in the country. I think you could argue that Oregon is maybe the number one team in the country. But the point being, you have multiple teams that have a legitimate claim as the number one team in college football. If I didn't mention Washington, they're certainly in that conversation as well. And so you don't have those teams at the top that are just steamrolling everybody, right? I mean, four or five years ago, it felt like you could just put Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State into the college football playoff. Let me ask you this. Are any of them the definitive best teams in their league? Clemson isn't. We know that. Alabama probably isn't. They might be able to beat Georgia, but I don't think anyone thinks they're better than Georgia this year. And I think with the way Penn State has looked and the way Michigan has looked, you can make the argument that Ohio State is not the best team in the Big Ten this year. It's interesting, that Notre Dame-Ohio State game, it was the highest-rated game of the weekend. I think in part it was because it's two mega brands, Ohio State-Notre Dame, but I think it was also because a lot of people thought Ohio State could lose that game. They tuned in to see, can Notre Dame actually knock them off? And so that's part of it, is the real parody, but I think this is the important part to me. It's parody with teams that are mega brands, and I think this part's really important, okay? Because the bottom line, think about this. Think about the fact of what I just said. The teams at the top are historic powers who have not been good in recent years. We can make fun of Texas, and maybe they lose to Kansas this weekend and we make fun of them again. But I think we all kind of agree. This is probably the best Texas team in, what, 15 years since Mac Brown really had it going. You know, Colt McCoy led them to a national championship game in 2009. 2009, that's 14 years ago. This might be the best Texas team that we've ever had. So now every Longhorn fan is invested every single weekend. Uh, Florida State, like I said, I think you can make the argument that they have looked the best at their best beating LSU in week one. LSU has been relatively good for every other game this season. Florida State destroyed them. Florida State went on a 31 to nothing run against them. So you have Florida State operating at the top of its powers. USC, listen, I, I USC, I don't think their defense is very good. I think they're going to have big problems starting this weekend against Colorado. I think they're definitely going to struggle against Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington. But you also can't deny they got the right coach, the right quarterback, and they are as good as they've been in probably 10 years. Notre Dame, I think, is another one. Again, we tuned in because of the fact that Notre Dame we, a lot of people thought could beat Ohio State. I thought they could beat Ohio State. They could have beaten Ohio State. It came down to the final play from scrimmage. So I just bring it up because I think this is all a factor. It's parity. It's parity with good teams and big brands. And I think finally, and this is an important part, this is kind of an, an offshoot of that last one. 
I do think the transfer portal has helped college football and balanced it out a little bit. Now, we can be pro-transfer portal, anti-transfer portal. Does it help? Does it hurt? And by the way, people lump NIL and transfer portal together. I don't think NIL is having as big of a deal as the portal because what the portal does is it allows players who are not in the right situation, either they're, they're on the bench, they're a backup, they're not starting, they're whatever, to find a new home that makes more sense for them. And so what it's doing is it's spreading the talent across college football. Without the portal, Quinn Ewers probably wouldn't have reclassified, probably wouldn't have gone to Ohio State, wouldn't have gotten stuck behind C.J. Stroud, wouldn't have seen that C.J. Stroud is not leaving, and wouldn't have transferred to Texas. So think about Texas right now without Quinn Ewers as its quarterback. They're not the same team. By the way, you could flip it around. Imagine Ohio State with Quinn Ewers. They probably are the definitive best team in the country, but they don't have him because of the portal, because of playing time, and because he went to Texas. Where would Washington be without Michael Penix? Where would Oregon be without Bo Nix? Where would USC be without Caleb Williams? Where would, and I know I'm going on and on here, where would Notre Dame be without Sam Hartman? By the way, where would Colorado be without all those players? You could argue if, if the transfer portal didn't exist, Coach Prime probably doesn't leave Colorado, uh, doesn't leave Jackson State. Let's his son play there. Let's his son do whatever. But he probably doesn't leave. He's not going to leave his sons behind. He's not going to leave Travis Hunter behind. So these are all the reasons, but I just find it fascinating. But I do think the transfer portal is the biggest one because now players aren't going to sit for three, four, five years and wait their turn. And because of it, two things happen. That talent gets dispersed. Now, all of a sudden, Texas has three, four, five starters that started their careers somewhere else. Uh, their best cornerback started Ohio State, right? Ryan Watts. I don't know if he's their best one, but he's a, he's a starting cornerback. Um, their best wide receiver, maybe A.D. Mitchell, started his career at Georgia. Quinn Ewers, obviously, it goes without saying. So it disperses the talent to other places, and it hurts other teams' depth. I mean, think about all the guys that started their careers at Alabama that are having impact in other places. The kid Jaquez Robinson, who had the interception for Colorado this, this weekend, started his career at Alabama. Um you know, whatever. Uh, Javion Cohen is a former starting offensive lineman who transferred to Miami. So I just bring it up because I think that talent dispersal has been the biggest factor. Now there's more talent across the sport. The Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States, they can't just stack player on top of player on top of player, recruiting class on top of recruiting class. And all of a sudden that talent is spread out more. Either way, it's been great for college football. It's been great for everybody who covers college football like me. Great for people who love college football like you. And I'll say this, I don't think we're slowing down anytime soon in terms of the ratings interest. I will argue, so, I, and I'll say again, I know I just said this, but I'll say this again, is that I'm somebody that was a little anti-12 team college football playoff, but I'm now starting to think it might end up being the best thing because I do think it's going to allow more teams to play meaningful games late in the season. Um, you think about even a Clemson, a Cle Clemson season wouldn't be over with two losses in September. A year from now, it might be this year. Notre Dame, their season might be over now, and we don't even know it yet, depending on what happens with everybody else. So it's going to allow more teams to stay in late. And I do think it's going to create interest throughout the regular season. And like I said, I just don't think there's going to be as many dominant teams going forward because of the portal effect. All right, so what we're going to do, could take a quick break, come back. And when we come back, start to take a look at week one of or week five, excuse me, week one, week five of college football. Here's what, what I want to discuss. Um, I believe that it is, I'm going to call it show me something Saturday 
in the SEC, a lot of S's. I believe there are like five to six teams that absolutely have something to prove this weekend. And we're going to learn, like, are they legit? Are they not legit? Contender, pretender, whatever. I want to discuss that. Quick break. Be right back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. I do want to go ahead and wrap uh, with, with obviously, look, a little bit more college football. It's that time of year. Exciting time. You know, the ratings are through the roof, as we just said. But I believe this coming Saturday in the SEC, I'm going to go ahead and call it Show Me Something Saturday. Okay, so this isn't like a full weekend preview. We'll do that on the Thursday college football betting pot. But at the same time, I I believe this is Show Me Something Saturday for for, for really two reasons. This is the first weekend all year that all 14 SEC teams are in action at the same time. Okay. Now, pretty much everybody has played at least one game, but even last week, there were still some out of conference games, still whatever, still this, still that. So there's that element of it. But I also believe that this is the weekend where I think we learn a lot about a lot of teams that we're not quite sure on yet. And so that's why it show me something Saturday is because are you legit? Are you not legit? Is your offense broken? Is your defense broken? What is the issue? To be clear, I don't think all 14 teams have something to show me. Like, I think if Auburn were to get destroyed by Georgia, I don't think that'd be an indictment on Hugh Freeze, this program where it is. I don't think Vanderbilt has much to show me. I think I've already seen enough of them as it is. Uh, Alabama, I think we kind of know who they are. But in my opinion, there are seven teams that I believe in a good way or a bad way Their entire season will start to be defined by what happens on Saturday. So let's get into it. No particular order. This isn't like ranking them from the most important to the least important, but there are seven teams that I believe have something to show me this coming Saturday. Number one, let's head out to Lexington, Kentucky, where the Kentucky Wildcats host the Florida Gators. Kentucky, a two and a half point favorite in the DraftKings Sportsbook. And number one on this list to me is the Kentucky Wildcats. And it's because exactly what I just said. Kentucky is a two and a half point favorite going into this game. And this is a series. And this sounds crazy that Kentucky has largely dominated over the last couple of years. It's great. We went 30 years without Kentucky beating Florida. Then they beat them 2018 in the swamp. And now they are looking for a three game win streak in this series. One at the swamp two years ago or one at home two years ago one in the swamp last year, and now they're going for a three-game win streak in this series. So one, can you get the three-game win streak? You're favored, but two, what's interesting to me about this game specifically is that this feels like a role reversal game from this perspective. For so many years, Florida's been the team with all the dudes and all the athletes and all the NFL guys, and Kentucky for many years under Mark Stoops, I'm not saying that's who they are now, but they were the physical, grinded out, low scoring. Well, you look at these two teams now, it's almost the exact opposite. It's like a Freaky Friday. They switch bodies, right? Kentucky's the one with, in my opinion, the better quarterback, Devin Leary. 
and the better skill position guys, Ray Davis at running back, uh, Barry and Brown. I know in previous podcasts, I've called him Barry and Browning. So forgive me. And Dane key. I mean, Dane key and Barry and Brown, they look like Florida receivers and now they're on Kentucky side. And so what I'm fascinated to see is this Mark Stoops has done an unbelievable job through the years, kind of playing that us against the world. Nobody believes in us, whatever, blah, 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 blah mentality. Well, guess what? Everybody believes in Kentucky coming into this game. I don't think anybody trusts in Florida. And so what I want to see, you beat some bad teams early. Vanderbilt stinks. Uh, Eastern Kentucky, not good. Ball State, not good. So now, who are you? Are you the team that has elevated as an entire program, 1 through 85? Or are you the team that, that, that doesn't handle pressure well? Because this is a game that you can win. I don't want to say it's definitively a game that you should win. But it pro- you probably have the more talented roster, 1-85. So to me, maybe the most interesting team this weekend is Kentucky. 4-0 coming into this game, really handled Vanderbilt last week. Now, at home against Florida, how do you handle things? Number two on Show Me Something Saturday, I think it's the Florida Gators. Because while Kentucky is the favorite, and I think they should be the favorite, I think there's a lot of Florida fans that are still, and I think nationally too, to be to be fair, you don't have to be a Florida fan. Everybody wants to know, is this program really back on the rise? Did that Tennessee game really matter? Or is that a blip in the radar, right? Because you go back to that Tennessee game for Florida a few weeks ago, it felt like kind of a, a, a pseudo perfect storm. Tennessee was undefeated, but really untested. Florida had their backs against the wall. And Florida kind of had the right game plan against the right team that night. Get the lead, keep Joe Milton off the field, keep that offense off the field, and then chew up the clock. Again, it's because they don't have the dudes that Florida usually has. But they win that game. But all the goodwill that they created coming out of that game, I think disappears if they don't win on Saturday in Lexington. Now, look, if it's 40, you know, if it's 35, 32, and both teams just play at an insane level, that's not what I'm talking about here. But what I'm talking about is if it's ugly and if it's low scoring and if Florida frankly gets blown off the field by talent, I think a lot of the people that maybe are back in Billy Napier's good corner will not be going forward. That is if they don't handle things on Saturday. Let's keep it going. Number three, show me something Saturday. Uh, most, te- you know, most at stake for SEC teams. I think it's the Texas Santa Maggie's in the Southwest Classic. And for people who don't follow this rivalry, this is an insane rivalry, okay? Uh, so I looked it up just for fun. The last 10 years, they play in Jerry World every year. Last 10 years, this game has been decided by a touchdown or less six times. Uh, it has gone to overtime three times. I was actually told, I haven't looked this up, that Texas A&M has, had the, has trailed by a touchdown or more in five of those games. They're forward one straight up. So something crazy always happens. By the way, I, I looked it up for comparison's sake. You want to hear how crazy this rivalry is? Texas A&M, Arkansas. Six games decided by a touchdown or less. Three in overtime in the last 10 years. Michigan, Ohio State. Two games decided by a touchdown or less. One overtime. So this has been a more competitive rivalry than Michigan, Ohio State. Okay, But where I think this, this is kind of prove it Saturday, it starts with Texas A&M. Because from Texas A&M's perspective, I'll be blunt. After all the negativity around that program the last 18 months, I'm happy that they picked up that win against Auburn. But it felt like everybody was just ready. Oh, well, Texas A&M, they they beat Auburn. They got it all figured out. It's like, no, Auburn is very much in year one of a rebuild under Hugh Freeze. They were on the road. 
It was record-setting temperatures. I think they said it was the second-hottest game at Kyle Field in the history of Texas A&M football. Auburn has no depth because of, of, of you know, basically Brian Harson stopped recruiting, if we're being honest about it. And so A&M wins that game, and everyone's like, oh, A&M, they, they, might, they, they might be onto something. And they might be. They were also up 6-3 to three at halftime. Connor Wigman's hurt. We don't know if he's coming back for this game or not. And it just felt like everybody, everyone's been out on AM for two years. Then it's just like they're right back in. I don't know if I trust them. I need to see it. Now, by the way, you go out and you win this game because, by the way, you're the more talented team. You probably have one of the three, four most talented rosters in college football. You go out and win this game 27 to seven. Then, yeah, like we need to take you seriously as a contender in the SEC West, believe it or not, with Alabama coming to town next week. But also, wouldn't it be so on brand for Texas AM? With Alabama coming to town next week to overlook Arkansas, either lose or at the very least, almost certainly go deep into the fourth quarter in a close game. Let's stay with this game because I think Arkansas has something to prove as well. From the Arkansas perspective, you know, I, I don't know if I'm the only one that watches these games, but I loved Arkansas last week against LSU as a 17 and a half point underdog. I said, Arkansas's not bad. They just commit a lot of really, really dumb penalties. 14 penalties against BYU, then another 11 against LSU. But that LSU game was there for the winning. That BYU game was there for the winning, and Arkansas has to clean some stuff up. I think what's interesting about Arkansas is it's a little bit about what I said with Kentucky and Florida. Completely different team with completely kind of different personnel than in years past. They rely heavily on KJ Jefferson. They don't rely on the run game. I know Rocket Sanders has been injured, but this has been a team that has dominated the line of scrimmage that hasn't really had much success this year. But it doesn't change the fact that a couple less penalties, a couple less dumb, self-inflicted mistakes, they could be 4-0 and and, frankly, probably in the top 15 to 20 heading into this game. So A&M ha- or, or Arkansas has a lot to prove as well. They got to get back on track, and, and, and all these games have been winnable. They're not a laughing stock. They're not an embarrassment. They're not even bad. But these are games you got to win. Let's keep it going. Two more teams from one specific matchup that I want to get to. I want to get to three more teams, but but the, the last kind of big matchup that I want to get to. I think LSU at Ole Miss is show me something Saturday for sure. From the LSU perspective, again, I kind of nailed it. I was like, I, I don't, I'm not sold that LSU has suddenly figured things out because they beat a bad Mississippi State team two weeks ago. Well, you go back to last week, that game in Death Valley at night was easily a game Arkansas could have won. And when I look at LSU, I like pieces, but I still don't see special, right? Like you watch Alabama, the quarterback, we kind of know, but you see that defense. It's like dudes are flying everywhere. You're like, oh my God, this defense is awesome. Obviously a Georgia, uh, a Texas, you can see it. LSU, you see the little pieces, Harold Perkins here, Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver, Brian Thomas, the wide receiver. I don't know that I see special across the board, but at the same time, Brian Kelly came here to put together an upper echelon SEC roster. And let's call a spade a spade. If you're Brian Kelly, if you're building a national championship caliber program, it's a game you should win. Ole Miss, I think they're pretty good, but they haven't been great this year. They didn't look great last year. And even in the portal rebuild, whatever, you still probably have more talent than them across the board. So I think LSU can make a huge statement. Go, Go to Ole Miss and dominate. And I think we feel really good about you go to Ole Miss and lose, then it's like, man, because they could have lost last week to Arkansas. I still think they have a lot to prove. 
Wrapping up with two more teams. The first one is Ole Miss. Uh, listen, I was on Ole Miss last week as well. I said, they're not beating Alabama. Like, everyone's like, oh, Lane Kiffin's going to be the one to put the final nail in Nick Saban's coffin. I was like, really? Have we watched Ole Miss? Ole Miss struggled to put away Tulane on the road with backup quarterback. And they struggled to beat Georgia Tech at home. I mean, they didn't struggle, but it was 17-3 to going into the fourth quarter. And so you see all of these big, bold offensive statistics, and it was mostly late in games, and really for the first three quarters of basically the, the, the last, you know, the two games before SEC play, they struggled to move the ball. And so I'm not sold that Jackson Dart is the guy. I've never been sold that Jackson Dart is the guy because Lane Kiffin went out and got two transfer quarterbacks last offseason. What's interesting, though, I saw this. You Google Lane Kiffin. There's an article in the local newspaper. It's called the Clarion Ledger. And it basically says, like, Lane Kiffin, we're paying you $8 million right now. This isn't like the feel-good, plucky underdog story anymore. you got to start producing. And what I find interesting, I think everybody likes Kiffin because he says stuff and he's goofy on social media. I went back and looked because I was curious. Ole Miss went 8-5 and five last year. Remember, they started 7-1. and one. They're 3-1 and one this year. Here's who Ole Miss has beaten since the start of last season. Troy, Georgia Tech, Central Arkansas, Tulsa, Kentucky, Vandy, Auburn, AM last year. So of those eight wins last year, they started 7-0. The only win they got after their 7-0 start was against a, a Texas AM team that was historically bad. They also beat three teams that ended up firing their coaches, Georgia Tech, Tulsa, and Auburn. This year, their wins are against Georgia Tech again, Tulane, and Mercer. So what would you say is the best win that Ole Miss has had the last two years? Probably against a Kentucky team that went seven and five. Like that's their best win. Well, again, Lane Kiffin, you're an $8 million a year head coach now. It's it's easy to, to be the plucky little guy when you're making $4 million and Nick Saban's making twelve, But you're making eight now. You're in the big boy, big tax bracket league. These are some of these games you got to start winning. I'm not saying you got to win all of them. I know Ole Miss's history. I know that LSU is not a team that historically Ole Miss has had success against. But man, oh man, oh man. Again, Elaine Kiffin, $8 million, you got you to take care of business. Finally, let's wrap one more team that I think we're going to learn a lot about this week. Ironically, Lane Kiffin's former team, the Tennessee Volunteers. And what's interesting to me about Tennessee, I just think this is the week we start to learn like what's going on with this team with Joe Milton, right? Because it's interesting, you know, knowing the fan bases like I do, and I, I don't claim to know everybody, but Tennessee, it feels like for a team that is three and one and ranked in the top 25, fan base is frustrated. And the fan base is frustrated, I believe, because they don't believe that Joe Milton's the guy. And so there's some frustration about how did we get in this situation? Why did we not, you know, how is there not somebody else ready to go? Obviously, they have the five-star freshman, Nico. I'm not, I'm not even going to try to say his name. We all know who Nico is. Um, but I think we all kind of understand he's probably not ready to be thrown into the fire in the SEC. But I think that fan base is a little bit frustrated. And so you're at home, you play South Carolina. That's a game you got to win, and you got to win looking good. Because South Carolina, respectfully, I think Shane Beamer's done a good job. They're certainly a bottom-of-the-half SEC team, and that's a team that Tennessee should beat. So it'll be interesting to see, but I would argue Tennessee has a lot at stake this weekend. By the way, schedule does not get any easier. They get a bye, then they have AM at home, Alabama on the road, Kentucky on the road. So it doesn't get any easier. Although, thankfully for Tennessee, 
They do have the UConn Huskies coming in November, uh, so they can get right at that point. But again, it's not going to get easier for Tennessee. You got to win this game. I think for the fan base, you got to look good doing it. All right. That was Show Me Something Saturday. And that was today's episode of the Aerator Sports Podcast. I do think it is time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed to the show, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Really does help our audience grow and our channel grow. And I should mention once again, thank you to our new partners, DraftKings Sportsbook and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, Sports betting is coming to Kentucky this week. Once it goes live, use promo code Torres, bet $5 on any game, get $200 in bonus bets. Thank you again to DraftKings. And by the way, Kentucky fans, remember who who had your back through all these years? Torres did. I helped you. You helped me. Just saying. That's it for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. Appreciate everybody's support. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You have fed. Unblock me, bro. I will be back on Friday. New episode of the Aaron Torres pod. Also previewing week five on the college football betting pod. Everybody have a great Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.